Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, everybody, welcome into a very special episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name is Mac, and thanks for coming in for the newest episode. So I'm recording this intro on the exact same day that I dropped part two of Rebecca's episode of the podcast, and um, it's gotten a really good reaction. And I like to build suspense for things, and I like to like for there to be a buildup, but I also realize that in today's day and age, people like to binge things. So my girlfriend and I were sitting around in my in her apartment and she goes, I want to hear Nicole's episode now. And I was like, no, I like to build suspense. And she's like, no, now. So I just went live on Instagram and about 90 of you guys showed up and you guys were all like, yep, put it on now. So here you go, guys. Nicole's episode is just as scathing as Rebecca's. Um, my next is wild. And uh, yeah, you guys are going to love this episode just as much as you loved Rebecca's, so check it out. All right, everybody, welcome back into a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. So last week I talked about how I have this whole story going on behind the scenes, and I've been wishing that I can tell this story, but uh, timing and people's objections to episodes coming out, um, but it's it's become abundantly clear that people are having experiences with my next, and they're contacting me to tell me about them. So we talked a little bit on last episode about a friend of Rebecca's named Nicole. And Nicole is here with me today to tell her side of the story. So Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> so you know what? It's funny. And and you and I have been comparing stories. And something that I didn't know is, no offense to you, but you sort of knew me before I knew you because you had interacted with my next for the better part of the last 10 years. Do you remember kind of like the earliest interaction or sighting you might have had with me and my ex-family? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was, goodness, six years ago, and we were on a hayride. Uh, it was the first time I had been out with you. I think, you know, small town uh, life. I've known your next for some time. And then the same story. This is the same story that Rebecca was the one who was like, you know, when her son called her a bad mom. And that whole situation, I didn't know that you were there. 
Why I looked a little different. I was carrying another child, and I'll use that as the reason why you uh, you don't remember me. I was about seven months pregnant at the time. But yeah, I remember we all went out. Uh, Rebecca's family, yours, and mine. It was the first time I had met you when we uh, when we showed up. We got right on the hayride, and uh, your youngest, your daughter, um, was a little polarizing. To be honest, I was a little taken back. I hadn't met you before, and your next was really clinging to her. I, I asked why. I inquired. I said, "Hey, what, what's going on? Is everything all right?" And she shared, "She's she's been like this. She's like this when we travel." And I'll never forget turning to my husband after you guys got off the hayride and saying something just like didn't feel right. Like it felt off. The way your daughter was clinging to her, uh, your next's mannerisms around it. Yeah, as I shared with you, uh, you know, initially I knew your next. I, I didn't know you. Um, and my initial response was, "Well." She's clinging to your neck. She's not clinging to you. Like, what's what's going on with him? Um, you know, to your point, there were other things going on that day. The kids were running, having a great time. But, uh, you know, they always say, like, you don't have a second chance to make a first impression. And as we talked about, uh, mine of you was uh, one that was definitely tied to your youngest reaction. Um, and I think that the conversations to follow um, for me have kind of led us to where we are today. Yeah, well, the, so, like, the weird thing is, is, like, when my daughter was younger, she had a lot of anxiety for some reason. And, like, there were times when my daughter would ride in the back of the car and be, like, super anxious about riding in the back of the car. And I'm talking she was young. She might have been slightly over one year old. But, like, yeah, and, and in the hayride, I don't remember this, but I'm sure she was anxious because, and, and the funny thing is, is, like, something that I've learned about narcissism and especially about my next is that, when they're kind of the ones who instill the fear into them, like they want them to constantly feel like something's not right. And then they want to be the one to heal them so that the kids know, you know, they don't associate the pain, but they associate the recovery with the abuser. Oh, for sure. For sure. It was, it's it's funny you say that because I won't, I can remember like clear as day her saying to me, I'm the one she comes to. I'm the one she comes to when she's upset. I had to hold her hand. It was, the response was a very me first one, more so than, you know, what was going on with your daughter and addressing the angst and anxiety she had in the moment. And again, I had, I had known your next for, for some time. So in that moment, I didn't think much of her response to it. I think hindsight, right? Looking back now and having, you know, years between that, the narrative for me has has certainly changed significantly uh, seeing her interaction with your children, my children. I mean, I shared with you, there were birthday parties. I mean, her her best friend um, who lives around the corner. I've been to every, was going to every birthday party up until about two years ago when, when things really started to implode with you guys. I had run in the same social circles with her for years first, second, third birthday parties of friends, you know, small town living with one stoplight, all sitting at the lake together while the the kids played. And I think throughout that, there were micro moments of things with me, with her that I just didn't sit right, you know, and I think cumulatively kind of built over, over time where Rebecca, my close girlfriend of six years, was constantly trying to validate and explain, well, she has extenuating circumstances. And the extenuating circumstances always built. There was always a narrative around why there were inconsistencies in stories, why she was going through this big life crisis. And I shared, I, I, I said to her, I was like, people that live in chaos like that, like there was, there's a larger underlying component. I was like, I just kind of can't get right with it, right? So a lot of people, a lot of people I talk to think like she has 
either Munchausen syndrome or Munchausen's by proxy because there's always something wrong. Somebody's sick. Something's the sky is falling. There's always something that like and she thinks that she's the omnipotent power on healing everything too. Well, I, I think the word tracks are, are succinct, right? Every time I spoke to her, there was this way in which she would set the doc, set the stage, right? That she is weak or meek. Um, it was things like, this is my profession. I am a mom of. So before the story came out, she was validating her point with creating this narrative of who she was. And I'm like, hey, lady, we're all just hanging out trying to have a good time. But there was always this, this undertone. Um, right of of chaos or angst. Um, there was always a story around around everything that happened. Now I think right the hayride was the first where I was like, okay, something's not right. Something didn't quite sit right. Do you, do you remember my demeanor at any of the barbecues or anything? Did, did we have any interaction there? Social, social friendly. I mean, okay. you've always been like super conversational. My husband, who is a pretty large introvert, when I told him I was coming on the podcast, his first remark to me was, "Oh, he's a really nice guy. I'm never meeting him." Um, at, at your nexus, your nexus besties barbecue. So there wasn't anything in particular that that resonated with him. And I think to that end, and maybe validating um, some of you know the podcasts you've had to date. As I started listening, I started saying like, "Hey, was my initial response to you on that hayride thinking that it was really you, or was that a response to what she had told me personally?" Right? Because I had already in my mind set the stage that it wasn't her. You know, and I did I, at that time. I didn't even know her well enough to to dismiss it as, right, the incident with your youngest was her. Well, so, okay, so the funny thing is, and, and like, you don't know what you don't know, so you don't see the things behind the scenes, and this happened many times. So there was one time, so, like, what she loved to do is pick a fight just moments before we get in front of people. So, like, 10 minutes before, we would have some scream out, you know, knockdown, scream, scream and match, and then people would, we would get in public, and it was like, oh, look how wonderful I am, and I have this predisposition to never really sweep things under the rug. I like to go after them head on. So, you know, when we get around public, that doesn't mean I'm not, I'm no longer mad at you. And she used to try and use that against me. Like he can't control himself. He can't control himself. But when you're getting abused 10 minutes later, and then you get around in public, I don't really want to be that social with people. I don't really want to talk to you. And I don't want to act like I'm happy when I don't want to be here. I don't want to be with this fucking person. And I'm angry, but I'm glad that you say like, you know, my interactions with you, I guess, in those moments, I was probably relatively okay, you know? And also in the back of my head, I did want to make a good impression for the sake of my kids. Because if I was going to be living in this town for the rest of my life, I wanted people to like me so they like my kids. Yeah. And I think, like, generally speaking, there were small things, like, on the onset that triggered me. But from the outside looking in, like, you guys look like a really happy family. Your kids were happy, enjoying events. There was nice conversation, whether it was at the lake or at a family barbecue. And that was kind of the consistent. I would say, like, for me, things really turned about three years ago. Uh, we have had, I had started a small business with my husband, and I had invited your next to come out with us. It was a small group. It was like 12 people. My girlfriend, Rebecca, was the one I had actually invited. And she said, hey, I have this girlfriend. She's looking to get out. Would you mind if she came? I said, yeah, sure. When she showed up at my house, uh, she immediately looked at one of the other guests who's a local realtor in town and apparently had sold you guys your house and came unhinged, telling me a story about how she was sold a bill of goods when you purchased your house. Now, this person is long established in town. 
not only is she long established, her daughter was my next door neighbor and friends of ours for years. Like their children knitted my children hats at birth friendship. You know what I mean? And so as she started talking about the realtor and the experience she had, it was just yet another scenario of the chaos that surrounded things. Like, hey, I invited you out for a good time. Okay, like whatever happened, happened. You had a bad real estate experience. Can we just like table it for tonight and have a good time? Like I'm, I'm trying to go out and have a good time. You know, this is so funny because getting to talk to you, I get to hear, you know, the Nexus version and I get to hear from you, an outsider with like no dog in the race. What really happened? I remember her coming back and her saying, yeah, do you know our realtor was there? And if you guys remember from like the beginning of the podcast, like I talked about how dilapidated the house that I bought was. And she's telling me, oh, I gave her. She said, I gave her the fucking business. I was ripping her a new asshole. And she just stood there silent. She just said nothing. And, you know, she knew she was wrong. And I really let her have it. And honestly, I was kind of proud of her because we did. We bought a shit house. And I was like, good for you, next. <laughs> like, you should let her have it. But yeah, no, now hearing it from your mouth, it's like there's a time and a place for everything. And that was not the time nor the place. I can assure you that she never gave her the business. There was a quick conversation. Um, it seemed amicable, uh, uncomfortable. I won't say it wasn't uncomfortable, but it was cordial. Um, and then it ended and everybody had a great time at dinner. They were sitting across from one another. They chatted throughout the night. So there was never uh, a show for anybody or there was never any business. All that, at, least, at least from my perspective or my, my seat on the uh, on the old trolley there. So that was that was the first time you guys ever like that was the first time you ever saw something maybe not match up or what was that to you? It was validating prior circumstance. For me, it was every time I'm around her, chaos ensues. There's a problem, there's an issue. And people that I had known for years and were well liked and respected in the community, there was always underlying tension and chaos. Uh, and I couldn't understand. And she's always the victim to that underlying chaos, too. She's never the perpetrator. She's never the antagonist. She's always the one who's the victim. And she's always, you know, the overcomer. I can't I can't tell you how many times I've heard her say, I'm a strong DV survivor. No, you're an embarrassment to DV survivors. Yeah. You know, and I think even getting into this podcast is one of the reasons why I wanted to come on. I know I had shared with you on that in my late teens and early 20s, I was a domestic violence survivor. I mean, the way I was found, I... The doctors were shocked I survived. Um, and the way she approaches things, um, there are sometimes an aggression. And to your point, I think probably a great example of, right, she explained to you that she gave that person the business. And then other times she leads with, I'm a mom, I'm the victim, you know, I'm meek and mild. And it gets back to, there's a narrative that's always created. And I, I really struggled, I'll be honest, I struggled. And that's why you know, I say we were always in the same social circles, but we were never very close because I didn't feel like I could get close to her. That said, she was becoming so close with Rebecca, who I am to this day very good friends with. But I said, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm reading this wrong. Yeah, maybe I, I don't understand her, you know? And it's worth noting, too, you guys, you and Rebecca were friends before Rebecca ever met Nex. Yeah, yeah. Our kids were in preschool together. Uh, they met months months old uh we jokingly say they shared their first kiss he recently bought her her first piece of jewelry for christmas too so yeah i mean like we've been we've been friends since the kids started preschool you know in, in their infancy so we've we've known each other for years and always been very friendly 
I will say that over the past three years, our friendship has, the kids are getting older, you know, there's social outings, whatnot. It's definitely elevated our friendship too. But I've never, I've known her, I've been to birthday parties, et cetera, for six years. And I think as the last like three years, you know, came about the pandemic, after the pandemic, we're all sitting down at the lake, there was nothing else to do. You know, we we're taking our kids down there. You, you ended up spending more time with the people in your community and getting to know them better. And that ended in Rebecca and I becoming closer. That ended in me spending more time with with your next and more often than not trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and conversation. I think like using the lake as a really great example. There was a day we were down there. We were all talking. And this was shortly after the trolley ride, right? We had gone out. She had opened up about some things that had happened. We were sharing some stories about our families, about vacations. It was the first time she had talked to me about you in great, great detail. Uh, at the lake, yeah, her back was to the water and I was facing the water. The kids were playing and it was kind of like a half a circle and she was sitting in the front of us. So there's about a stage, right? She's in front of you on the stage, lake is behind her and we're all kind of a semicircle. And she was starting to tell us about some of the challenges she was she was having with you. I'm in the house, that things weren't going well with the kids. And, and I looked up and I'll never forget, I saw your daughter flipped over. She had a life tube, like, uh, you know, like one of like the small circular tubes around her waist. And she just flipped over. I would say it must have been six inches of water, but she couldn't get up. The lifeguard didn't see it. We got up. We started running. Your next grabbed her. I went over and I gave the business to the lifeguard about not paying attention. Um, but in that moment, after everything had calmed down, she took your children home. And I'll never forget, I looked at Rebecca and I said to her, she was so narrow and immersed in her story. And yeah, like I gave the lifeguard the business too because the lifeguard should have been paying attention. No question about it. I'm not eliminating salt there. But she was so immersed in her story, she wasn't even watching the kid. Like, she didn't even see what was going on. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. And it's not like, especially if if you're familiar with these parts or from the, in this area, you're not allowed to sit on the sand. So there is the lake water, there's the sand, which is probably like half a football field, and then there's the grass area that you can sit on. So to get to a child that's like that, you're, you're pretty far away. Uh, and she was, and I think this is what stuck out, when she was was comforting her, she said, she's not a strong swimmer, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, so you know your daughter's not a strong swimmer. She's down in the water with a life tube. Your back is to her. And you're telling us a story about your then husband, still, you know, husband, and are not concerned about her at all being down there. So yeah, like I was not a lifeguard. Like, don't get twisted. I uh, I tore him up a little bit. But like, moreover, I, I said to Rebecca, I was like, well, what was she doing? Why wasn't she down there? You're allowed to be down by the water by your kids, you know? Of course, this, this story, the narrative was more important. And this for me with her was when I, I I really, honestly, I tried to begin kind of disassociating. Like the pandemic, I think brought a lot of people together that maybe weren't as social before because options, options were limited. And I think especially here, we had this beautiful community at our fingertip where our kids could still be out and be present and be social with one another. It was wonderful, but you also really started to get to see who people were a little bit more. So for me, getting to know her, I started saying to Rebecca, I was like, maybe not my cup of tea. Yeah, like, and and it's funny that you, you should say that. So obviously I remember her coming home and telling me that. And, you know, as a father, I wanted to like snap into action and hold somebody accountable. But in the back of my head, I knew she doesn't pay a tremendous amount of attention to the kids. She's always on her phone. She's always, I would call it running for mayor. She's always trying to get people on her side. And there's another story too, where I took my younger son back in, this is the summer of 2021. They came out with a new Space Jam with LeBron James. And my son was into the original Space Jam. So he and I went alone to the movie theater to go see Space Jam. Well, I get a text 
you know, the movie's farther than three quarters through the way through the movie. And I get a text from her mom saying that my daughter fell and hit the crest of her nose in between her eyes on a oak chair in our house. And she was being rushed to the hospital and she had 14 stitches on the bridge of her nose. And so, of course, me and my son, we rushed out. We went to the hospital. You know, we got all her all stitched up. I remember, my, you know, the doctors told us, go wait in the waiting room because the parents can't be in here while they're stitching her up. And I go, the hell with that. My, I'll leave the room, but my back will be on this door. And the moment you open it, I'm running up and picking up my daughter. And she went and waited in the waiting room. But the whole time when she cracked her nose open, the only thing I could think was she wasn't paying attention to her. She was on the phone. She was calling her dad. She was calling her mom, whatever it may have been. She was not paying attention to her. And I know that. And and yeah, so you're saying that I'm telling you she cracked her nose open. You're saying that my daughter almost drowned. The the whole thing is, is that it's about her. The best interest of the kids really truly doesn't exist. Her narrative will always come first. Yeah, it, it after that, like my social outings with her were limited to Rebecca, being around Rebecca. And I think that is really what to date has kind of tied me, Rebecca, and your next together is that. I never solicited to have a friendship with her. To your point, uh, conversations were always me first. There was always drama around every social circumstance. And I just, you know, mom of three, I'm like, I don't, have, I don't have time for it. That said, some of the life's bigger moments, holidays, whatnot, Rebecca and her were becoming closer. She was there. She was present for them. You know, one, two years ago uh, was, was Christmas Eve. And we will. Hold on. Let me set this up a little bit better. I was removed from the house on October the 30th, 2021. The story you're about to tell is Christmas Eve 2021. So just think, we're talking less than two months of her soon-to-be ex-husband being out of the house. Go ahead. So uh, Rebecca had hosted my family, your next and your children, and then another local family there. She asked uh, my husband to get dressed up as Santa Claus to come in and give all the kids a gift. So originally it was supposed to be on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve was the was the planned date. So the day before Christmas Eve Eve, my husband and I went out to dinner with the kids. We get a text and uh, and that text is hit from, from Rebecca. Hey, where are you? What are you doing? And I said, we're at dinner. Why? What's the matter? She said, you're supposed to be here. It's it's Santa night. And I was like, that's tomorrow. And she's like, no, 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 we changed it. It's going to be tonight instead because some of the other guests have plans for tomorrow Said, no, honest mistake. I, I said, no problem. We're we're 10 minutes away. We'll be home. Dropped my husband off to get changed into his Santa gear, got the kids over and got all the kids set up, geared up for, for Santa to come. He comes in, a very Jersey Santa. If you know my husband, he's like an extreme introvert. Super awkward, super hysterical. The kids all had a blast. I think to validate your point about her always being busy doing something else, while he entered, she was at the island in Rebecca's kitchen talking about her new boyfriend and texting, I don't know. So we're talking, we're talking seven weeks after I left their house and she's talking about her new boyfriend. Uh, the, the gifts were being doled out and as soon as your children got their gifts, she then came over, had her phone and started taking some pictures. Um, oh, like Kids had a blast. Um, we were chatting. She was telling me about the new guy, where they were going out, dates they had been on, how happy she was, that this is the best she's been in a long time, yada, yada. The night was great. Kids Did that raise any red flags to you? You know, um, for me, it's like when when somebody, 
I should say somebody who experienced trauma themselves, I think there's a period of time, there's a there's a lag between when you really need to find yourself. And what I said to her is, don't you think it's a little soon to be dating somebody? I said, there's no judgment, right? If you know me, you know I'm a direct person. There was no judgment with it. It was, uh, do you think it's a little soon? Like holidays, there's a lot going on. Like take a beat for yourself, right? You just shared with me that you've experienced all of this trauma, all of these things were going on. And now you're tying yourself into a new emotional situation. That's what it is. Any new relationship, you're, you're allocating time, emotion, feelings into it to build that bond, right? So to me, or on the holidays, it was quick when I said, hey, she's happy. Okay, fine. No big deal. We all went home, had a great time. During the holidays and really into the next three months, I started noticing, though, that Rebecca was watching your kids more and more. And I started saying things to her like, don't you realize the next showed up at the house talking about her new boyfriend, how she's struggling to find someone to watch the kids. She can't afford it. She's struggling to make ends meet with Christmas. And then on Facebook, there was a barrage of photos that was a wall of gifts that was grander than anything I've ever experienced with my children. And, I, I, and, and what I shared on, you know, when I was recapping what Rebecca told me, it's like, she says, oh, well, I got them off of Facebook Marketplace or they were hand-me-downs or this and that. But there's like, I'd love to see the picture. I still haven't seen it, but like cascading pictures out of or cascading presents out of the living room. And like, if that were me, right, like outsider looking in and be like, well, that's not what you told me yesterday. You told me you're struggling. Like, and then she say, oh, well, my parents bought him or this and that. But then she wants to rely on, oh, how independent she is. It's just you know, we could sit here for days talking about, well, this doesn't match up with this. Like, it, the, the, the stories conflict to your point. So she was sitting there telling me how poor she was, how she can't go out ever, how much she's struggling. And then the other side of it was this grand life she was living with her new boyfriend, um, all the places she was going. Fast forward to the next month, right? Rebecca is taking the kids all the time going shopping for them. She started telling me how the kids didn't have the things they needed for the winter. So I dropped off snowsuits at the house for the kids, snowsuits, snow boots, a bag of stuff. I actually remember showing up at the house. We were going to dinner. It was pouring rain. I was freezing cold. And the front door was open. And I kind of knocked on it to go in. And I was like, hey, next, you in here? Hey, next. And the kids came running up, like startled. Obviously, there was somebody at the front door. I was like, hey, I'm just dropping a few things off. And she seemed really frazzled. She started telling me, I have to get ready. I have to go out. I have to drop the kids off. I have a thousand things to do. I'm all by myself, right? You could hear in my voice, the energy around. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Just wanted to drop a few things off. Rebecca had told me you were struggling. I had these. The reality was I went out and bought them because I felt bad. Um, wanted the kid, kids to have what they needed. Um, and I called, I called Rebecca and said, you know, I feel bad for her at the same time, like, this is really chaotic. And it was funny because Rebecca said to me, oh, that's funny. I'm actually taking the kids tonight for her again. And I said, I said, Rebecca, come on. I'm like, you're like, you have the kids all the time now. Like you're, you're taking them a lot. And I get that. I get that she needs help. But at the same time, I was like the, the photos that I'm seeing, the things that I'm seeing of her being out and about, she looks like she's doing all right. In February, we went out, there was a board and brush night and it wasn't me. It was Rebecca and the other mother paid for her to come out. When they paid for her to come out, she spent the entire night talking about the gifts she got, the shopping she was doing, the vacation she was going on. I believe may have a summer home or something. I don't want to you know, get too deep into that because I don't remember the specifics, but it was a vacation haul of stuff. So story. And again, I was like, okay, so are you this sh struggling single mom who can't make ends meet and is asking for support to go out, asking her friends to pay for her, or, or 
are you lifestyles of the rich and famous county mom living your best life with your new boyfriend? I can't, it just, it, it did not add up to me. And I told her back, I was like, listen, I'm not, I'm not to just say I won't hang out with her. I just prefer like, if we're going to be going out and about that, you know, maybe indirectly, maybe it's us. And I, I shouldn't say that I said it that uh, overtly to Rebecca. I just stopped RSVPing yes to things and started inviting them out with us independently, which, you know, honestly led to this call that we're having here today. As I stopped hanging out with your next and Rebecca together and started hanging out with Rebecca independently, the narrative changed with your next. It went from we're all friends, we're all social, I'm going to share all these things with you, to Nicole um, must be influencing Rebecca negatively. Nicole is a crazy alcoholic, and that's why she never comes down to the lake anymore. Not sure I go down all the time, I'm still a member. Um, because everybody down here knows she's an alcoholic. In turn, Rebecca must be drinking too. On that field, the reason why they wouldn't hang out with me. Nicole has a lot of money. Side note, I do not. I, I have a I have a good job, had a great job. Um, but, you know, we do like to go out, events, local outings, whether it's, you know, apple orchards or baseball games. And yeah, I would invite Rebecca to come with us when we went out to things. So the second portion of the narrative, we're friends. Like, it's so crazy. You're explaining a friendship. And like, she has to comment on a friendship that she wasn't there for. So because she wasn't there for it, of course, there's no way she's not above saying that she saw you drinking or making a fool out of yourself. She'll make up some story to substantiate. But, you know, something that me and my lawyer always talk about is like she takes maybe a fraction of the truth, such as you being late to a Christmas party. Right. Truth. You were late, didn't know, miscommunication, whatever it was. So she'll take that. And she'll say, well, the reason you were late is because you were pissed drunk and couldn't find your way there. And it was two blocks away. Look how drunk you are. Well, that, yeah. That's exactly what happened. You know, us being late to Christmas turned into I was inebriated and forgot to come. Um, so she tried to use events where we were both present, present and portions of the story to create a false narrative about me. And I said to Rebecca, I'm not going to give her an audience up here. Like, forget it. I'm, I'm going to let it go. Um, but then it started turning into I was an alcoholic who was also buying people's friendships. And moreover, um, I volunteer a lot of my time in town. I host events that are fundraisers for um, for the town that we live in. And uh, and when she started showing up to them, she started creating chaos. It's funny. Um, you know, and I, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just like kind of quickly share that story a little bit. Oh, sure. Of course. She shows up, walks in, uh, sees me. I say nothing. I'm, I'm checking other guests in. She walks over to the concession stand. So to paint the picture, you walk in. It's almost like a like a backwards L where the gymnasium would be in front of you. And then there is a hallway off to the side where we had concessions. When she saw me standing um, near the gym, she decided to walk towards the concessions, maybe to avoid me. She had just uh, bad mouthed me around the town telling everybody. I like how you say maybe because it just shows that you're a rational human being who goes like, I take people at face value. Maybe she didn't see me. Maybe she did. Maybe she just walked in that direction. Who the fuck knows? But she didn't come towards me. And like, I love that, that you just said, maybe because you're just rational about it. Go ahead. It doesn't really matter. It's like, we're out. We're going have a good time with our kids. Okay. At this point, we clearly know how you feel about me. No big deal. Um, so she was sitting there. I I looked up and over because I was running concessions and, and the ticketing and your next gave me the finger. And so I looked at the police officer standing next to me. Important to note, there was police presence at all of our beds. There has to be that volume of people coming out. Pleasantville police? Pleasantville police? It was Pleasantville. Yeah, it was all. Pleasantville police. Okay, yeah. 
and uh, local police came out. And I turned and looked at him and I said, can you eject somebody from an event for giving you the finger? He's like, well, did any children see? And he's kind of like looking around. Your children are in front of him. And I jokingly said, I'm a child at heart. Does that count? And he laughed and he was like, do you really want to make a thing of it? And I said, no, I just like this out of the time. Let's let it go. So I continue staying there, checking people in. She gets her stacks and is walking towards the gymnasium. As she walks towards the gymnasium and past me and the officer, under her breath, she goes, white trash, and walks past. Yeah, I started laughing. White trash? Girl's like, whatever, fine. I need you feel better. Okay, good for you. Um, the event continued on. At the end of the night, as things were wrapping up, a lot of the um, a lot of the talent from the event came down onto the court and were signing autographs for the kids, doing photo ops, the whole shebang. I was trying to A, wrap it up, and B, get a photo of all of the people who volunteered their time for the event for the fundraiser with the talent that evening. So I walked over to them one by one and was like, hey, uh, would you guys mind when you're done coming over and taking a picture? There was, I don't know, about eight or nine of them. I did individually. Well, your next was sitting next to one of them. And, and hand to God, I did not realize it was her when I walked over. I walked over, I tapped the player on the shoulder and said, hey, when you get done, would you mind coming over there? And I pointed over her shoulder to, and I said to take a photo with us because all of the volunteers were standing behind her. She, he was in the middle of signing your daughter's shoe. At which point, again, she said, ugh, to her father, look at that white trash. And I looked at her and I said, next, don't start something you can't finish. She looked at your fa her father-in-law, I guess your, uh, your father-in-law, apologies, and was like, can you believe her? Can you believe her picking a fight with a mother in front of her children? Now, mind you, she had just called me white trash. And I said to her, you know what, next? Your husband's podcast was right about you. And I walked away. The choir... As I was walking away, looked at me and said, you are cold. You know what? I, I don't. Who said that? Who said that? I, not the player. Well, one of the, the talent from. I'm one of the players in the basketball game. So you say, yeah, we're cold. So you said your, your ex-husband's podcast is true. And you told me that. I don't know why her dad was there, which I find so weird. It was an amateur basketball game was going on. And her dad was there, but you said her dad's eyes like bugged down in his head. It was like Bugs Bunny. It was like Bugs Bunny. If you've ever seen a cartoon where somebody's eyes like bug out of their head, jaw dropped, and I walked away. To be honest, even that for me was like unbecoming, saying something like that, children yeah. friend, you know? But that's, the, I can't even tell you, listen, I've done uh, almost a hundred interviews, man. And people tell me all the time, it's like they turn me into somebody I didn't want to be. And I'm not saying like, that's like the lowest of the low, Nicole, but I'm saying also for the same token, it's like, you probably wouldn't say that under normal circumstances, but like, yeah, don't start something you want to finish and your husband's podcast is right about you. And like, I could just imagine because, you know, to her father too, like they've been in that town for 60 years. So the image is everything and they believe that it's squeaky clean. I don't understand why, you know, her dad doesn't understand that, you know, his kids are ruining his image, but that's not my problem. You know, it's like, Called me names. You had choice hand gestures. I'm done. Enough. Let it go. Right. Um, and I had shared with you some photos. It, it was actually. I, I saw the photo of the basketball player signing my daughter's shoe. You're to the right of the basketball player. You have your finger out. You're clearly not pointing at my daughter. The next is trying to say that you told the basketball player not to sign autographs for my kids because of my next. You're clearly pointing over my daughter and it's a live photo. So when you hold the finger down on the phone, it's a live photo. You're clearly not pointing at my daughter. And even if you were, he's already signing the shoe. So like what the, she got the autograph. 
I could just imagine the Nexus listening to this now. They go, God, these fucking assholes. They're lying, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, the autograph was signed. You were pointing, saying, hey, will you go? I organized this event. Will you come take a picture with the volunteers? And what does she do? She makes it about her. It was, it just gets back to like, right? Every event has to have a catalyst um, with her. And that's what I saw from the beginning, right? Uh, whether it was the trolley ride and the realtor sitting at the lake with her back to your daughter while she was in the water. Now this event, she is the catalyst that initiates the circumstances to follow and likes to admit that portion of it from the equation. I mean, fast forward after that event, everybody went home. For a week afterwards, I was getting calls from a number of people in town. I was getting screenshots of text messages saying, I heard you attack the Nets at the basketball game. My husband was laughing. You stand here across from me. There were 30 volunteers behind her. Like, everybody was there. Hey, they, if I had attacked somebody, I'm pretty sure I would have been escorted out of the children's event. Let's just start there. Had I raised my voice, I would have been escorted out of the children's event. None of that happened. What was funny, because I asked you, I was like, yeah, you attacked her. I was like, where's her witnesses? And you sent me a text message. You go, I go, I go, where's your witnesses that you didn't attack her or something? And you sent me a picture. You go here. There's 850 of them. Yeah. So nothing because nothing happened. And I think it's like it's at the end of the day. And this is what I say to you. And what um, I really admired about your podcast is that at the end of the day, the goal here is to set the record straight, not for you, but for your children. And that was what was, I mean, we like getting teary-eyed right now. That was what was really hurtful for me about it. So it's really hurtful for Rebecca um, with it is that I know how much she loves and cares for your children. I know what a small town this is. Rebecca does. Yeah, yeah. She really does. She really does. And um, what I'm seeing is that the, and let's go all the way back to the hayride, is that the behavior that I thought was, was a result of your actions is actually hers. The, let's go back to that one for a second, right? I get on, your youngest is clinging to her. She's talking about how she's the protector. She's the one when she's upset that she goes to. Fast forward to the basketball game. She's now made me the aggressor in this situation that's trying to hurt her, is telling a narrative with a photo that is completely false. The photo actually discredits it because the player, to your point, is signing the sneaker in real time in the live photo she sent but she takes a portion of the story. And that's always what happens. Even the example with the realtor, there was a portion of the story. There's a much larger story and that one's not mine to tell, but they're anecdotal examples that show over and over again that she's the catalyst behind the storyline that she's creating and it's at the expense of your children. And I said to you, you know, before this podcast is that I wanted to come on because I actually felt bad because I had judged you before I even knew you. Um, and and that wasn't fair. It, it wasn't fair. It wasn't, it wasn't right. But I think the silver lining for you is that, you know, Rebecca and I are two of many that see, that see what's going on. And while you two of many, I like to hear that. Thank you. Oh, no question. No question about it. Uh, and, and I think there's going to be, uh, you know, many, many more to come. You cannot in a small town live, live your life this way. And well, me, well, hold on one second, just to sort of put a bow on that basketball story. So she says that you attacked her at the basketball game and that's the rumor and you're saying many people reached out to me after the basketball game saying that did you attack next and what have you been hearing through the grapevine that she wants to do in order to rectify the situation oh yeah no there are there are threats um right that if i continue to come after her she's going to have to file a restraining order against me right i am now i am now a villain an aggressive villain um coming after her personally um and again 
the the duck is set before she qualifies that statement. Um, and in this instance of I'm a single mom, can't make ends meet, I'm a, and I won't talk about her profession, um, that puts me in a very compromising position. And Nicole is the aggressor and I need to find a way to be protected from her. When in reality, for the past few years, I've had my husband dressing up as Santa for your children. I'm dropping snowsuits off at her house. I'm inviting her out for honestly, what's arguably one of largest uh, life's largest moments. It was the launch of my business to come out and celebrate with us. And I look back at all those times and I say, you know, this was those instances in individuality weren't about me, wasn't about facilitating a friendship. It was about her trying to create a narrative for her life experience. I tell Rebecca that all the time. I was like, you're not her friend. She is using you. You are a free babysitter. You are somebody who can support the storyline. None of us were actually there for any of it. And that's been the one thing throughout all of this that's been really interesting to me is anytime I ask somebody where you laugh is concerned, well, did you see it? Did you see it firsthand? Was there any you know, photo evidence? Was there this? There never is. It's always what I was told. So even today, you know, before we got on, I said, listen, I don't want to talk about anything secondhand. I want to talk about the things that I don't know firsthand. I saw myself. There's there's far more, as you know, Rebecca shared with you, that that has gone on, but there's this there's this web that she's weaving back. And I think pretty quickly it it's starting to unravel here. We're um, good. That's what I want to hear. So, you know, like you said, she well, you know, I've talked about in this podcast many times. She grew up in Pleasantville. She works in Pleasantville. Her family is from Pleasantville. By the way, I love your glasses. Very 50s Pleasantville. I'm about it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, so what is it going to take? I mean, let's call it, you know, let's be honest. So she doesn't have any friends, really. She doesn't have any friends in Pleasantville because she grew up there. And, you know, either, yes, people have moved out, but like a lot of people stay in Pleasantville, too. And she doesn't have any friends. She latches on to people like you, people like Rebecca, people she barely knows who aren't keen to her bullshit, who don't see it through it yet. So what is it going to take to get her to stop? Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I think to your point, like in, in Pleasantville up here, I've been here 10 years now. I'm still considered new. It's like shocking to me that I'm still considered new. But I think she's starting to run through those who are new that are, are, are candidly, like I'll use myself. Listen, I fell for it. I fell for it. I, I don't think I was as gullible as as others. Um, I know she still has, uh, you know, a few friends up here that wholeheartedly uh, believe the storyline that that she's shoveling. Um, but I think over time, when the inconsistencies like I saw, the things don't start lining up, people start walking away and saying, I don't want that. I think for me, it's especially where your children are concerned. Listen, my kids play really nicely with your children. Yeah. They're going to up together. I love to have that continue. Um, what is it? Ask you a question. Have you ever seen her play with the kids? No, no, never. Was, right. Like the Santa video I showed you, like, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it, you know, prior to today's podcast too. I sent you the video to show you in the video. You even see her sitting off to the side. She's on her phone, you know, the entire time and down. On her but phone. she's going to take the pictures to show that she was there to pretend like she was involved, but she didn't organize it. She's just a leech. And she like, like Rebecca said, she just showed up to that party completely empty-handed, accepted gifts, accepted food, took the whole thing, played the, oh, I'm broke card, and then the next day she's out with Fireman John. It's just, the narrative is just mind-blowing how she 
thinks she's the victim. And it was funny. I was talking to a friend before you and I got on this call. And I said, you know what the real problem is? She believes it. She believes that she's the victim. The, and, and you know, you said to Rebecca, you said, you know, the problem is, is that she has this reality. And I really think that like the way I have my reality and I'm subscribed to it, she's subscribed to her reality, but she does, doesn't even know that it's fake. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, when I, it's, you know, when I talked to Rebecca about it, she, you know, um, and it was, you know, in context of what had happened with me, you know, when the finger was given, Rebecca reached out immediately to be like, what the heck? Enough's enough. Like, stop it. And I said to her, I was like, please, you stop bringing me into it. Like, I don't want to get into it with her anymore. I want to be admitted from the conversation. And Rebecca said, I want her to know that she's wrong. I want her to see the error of her ways. And I, I said, Rebecca, she's not coming to it. She's not going to at this point. I get it. You're right. But Rebecca's still wanting to see her for the friend she was, right? The friend who babysat her child at the lake all summer. And she her kids with my dad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and listen, there, there are memories there. But for me, my experience with her has been one that that relationship is a needs-based one. And that's what I was saying to Rebecca. I was like, you were having this very genuine friendship with her, this relationship where your kids were growing up and bonding and creating lasting memories together. But for her, it wasn't that. For her, you were a babysitter so she could go out. You were a liaison to bring her milk. Like, Rebecca's told me numerous stories about how she said, I can't afford milk and eggs. So what did Rebecca do? She went out to the store and grocery shopping for her and dropped off food. She called me and I said, well, what else does she eat? Okay, she eats snow soup. Okay, I'm going to bring that over too. I think that's the pro of Pleasantville. If there's somebody here that needs something, there's a community that's here to support you conversely. Uh, when you take advantage and you use, that is C. And I, I would validate what you said about people that are here and that have grown up here. They know her. Um, as these things start to unfold, I'll use the uh, Nicole is a drunk, ergo Rebecca's a drunk, and Nicole must also be buying her friendship. That's the only logical reason why she would hang out with Nicole and not the next, right? I said to her, I was like, what the hell? Like, what is this? And one of my other girlfriends said, oh, she's always been like this. And she's been like this since high school. This is this is no different. We all know we all know she's crazy, right? Um, I don't see, with the exception of one person in town, yeah. any longstanding friendships that she has. So to your initial question about, like, what is it going to take? Um, you know, the town's really turned over in the past 10 years. I'm still new. And I'm 10 years here. It's crazy to me that I'm still new. Um, I think that as the newbies get to know her, and we have... And continue to have these kinds of conversations, she's going to begin isolating herself. I, I think, you know, even with Rebecca, like Rebecca said at the end, one of the things your next said to her was that I pulled Rebecca's son away from your children. I said, absolutely not. They were playing the entire time. When you were, we told that story about how uh, the picture at the, the, the basketball game. Yeah, the kids were all playing. They were all down on the court playing, having a great time, interacting with the players at the end. They all come on the court. They, they, they do a whole dance. All the kids are together, my kids, Rebecca's son, your children, all on the court. Your next then came over and I'm going to take a photo. Now, mind you, this was after the interaction we had had, right? Where she called me white trash and I said, hey, your your husband's podcast about you was right. She went to take a photo. Um, and she would take a photo of Rebecca's son after she's been going around town telling everybody that Rebecca is an alcoholic. I was like, yeah, absolutely not. You're not taking a photo of her son at all. I don't. Yeah. I don't know how she's going to position it. So I pulled him out of the photo. I did not pull that away. I pulled him out of the photo. The kids continue to play. But that was like, these are these are the kinds of things that over time, people will see. What do you think the motive is for her wanting to take a picture with Rebecca's son? Like, is that so she can post it 
and say, oh, you know, or is she trying to prove to my kids that Rebecca and I don't hate each other? Look, you're taking a picture with Rebecca's son. What was the motive behind her, her taking a picture with Rebecca's son? I think she continues to want to reach out to Rebecca because she she's hoping that she'll come to court to testify. I don't think there's a lot of people in her corner. And that's I, called a Hoover. That's called a Hoover. Uh, Do you, I don't know how much you know about narcissism. You know, like Hoover the vacuum? So what a narcissist will do is they will hurt you and they will try and hoover you back in because ourselves, we call ourselves empaths, right? You seem like a very empathetic person. What the narcissist will do is they want to appeal to your genuine kindness and and make you think that, listen, they are not the person that you're starting to figure out that they are and we can work on this. And imagine being in a relationship with somebody like that. No, no, thank you. I mean, I've, you know, to my uh, prior comments, I've been there, um, you know, even where your youngest is concerned, I would often protect and go back to my abuser. I wouldn't tell people on um, things that happen. I make excuses. I make excuses. I was hung. Blood vessels popped in my face. Very apparent um, that, you know, there were, there were troubling times um, in, in my household. And I would constantly say, well, it's because of this, or well, it's because of that, or no, you're reading that wrong, right, too. Um, so to your point where, like, Rebecca's concerned, I think she's one of the few that she just has this innate ability to see the best in everybody. Yeah. And when I talk to her about your next in particular, I think she, I think she believes that she can change her mind. She said to me, I want her to see that she was wrong. I want her to see I told her we were sitting at a game a couple of nights ago. She's never going to. She's already created a story in her head. She's showing it. She wants you to buy into her storyline. So to your question about like, why would she want to take a photo? I think she wants to paint a picture that she's still that old friend Rebecca thought she was. She's not. And they continue to go. And I, you know, I see texts you that you go back and forth tit for tat. I'm like, why are you investing time here? This well, is imagine, imagine being married to her, figuring out her bullshit. And then going, oh, no, I'm done. And that's why she put a restraining order on me because she couldn't have that narrative that she was the abuser. She had to fucking throw me the fuck out. Yeah. So that's why when when she created the false allegations and had me removed from the house for domestic violence, it was because, well, she had a new boyfriend waiting in the wings. I don't know what the overlap was, but, you know, she was clearly moving on. So. With the, with the new thing, she couldn't be the reason that the marriage didn't work, right? And now he's the knight in shining armor who saved her from the alleged domestic violence. Yeah, Matt, though, honestly, and like as somebody who experienced that, like I didn't go around touting that I was a victim of domestic violence. I am, goodness, I'm almost 20 years out from it. And this is the first time in any type of public forum that I've even talked about. I mean, close friends know, close friends know. But that was a part, that was one of my triggers, right? Earlier on with her, right? Post-trolley ride, sitting at the lake, her starting to create this storyline when she had a forum of people around her publicly. I was social with her. I was an acquaintance of hers. But to talk about it that openly, that isn't something that somebody in my experience, right? Um, that suffered domestic violence, we'll talk about, right? It was, for me, uh, it was a very insecure topic to put myself in a position that I was so compromised. I didn't want people to know that about me. It was, it was part of it was embarrassment. And a part of it was protecting the relationship that I had, right? Um, so the things I was seeing, and this is what I was seeing to Rebecca, like it, it doesn't line up. And I will say, the one thing Rebecca said to me, uh, goodness, two years ago is, Nicole, this storyline 
is going to play itself out. And if what the next is saying to me is inaccurate, that's going to come to light. And that was one of the things she said to me this past week. You know, as I, I said to her, listen, I'm thinking about reaching out to Matt. Honestly, you know, a part of it is I, I feel terrible going back to the hayride. I I judged you. I judged you. I spoke to my husband about it. And I was like, it's got to be him. It can't be her, right? And then as things started unfolding, I was like, I felt really bad about it because I didn't give you the chance. I didn't give you the benefit of the doubt. And then listen, like sometimes it's like lessons learned yourself now that I'm in a position, right? Now I'm like, okay. Thing is, you know what the thing is, is like even with Rebecca, right? Like, so when she first contacted me, I gave her the business for 20 minutes. I fucking, I ripped her a new asshole. I was pissed. And I was like, listen, I've waited two years to have this conversation for you. And you're going to listen to every damn word I have to say. And and to her credit, she did. And she let me air my grievances. She did say at one point, like, listen, if you're just going to bash me, I'm going to hang up on you. I was like, don't you think you deserve this? I was like, don't you think you deserve this? And I let her have it, the whole thing. But I can absolutely forgive anybody besides her family who falls for her shit not knowing because I felt for it I felt for it for nine years I felt for her shit so bad it made me buy a house it made me kids it made me get married I fell for everything so I can't hold anybody especially to and don't take this the wrong way too but women should stick with women men should stick with men and I understand why you know a, a woman would look at a man and go well how could Mac being 230 pounds abused little old necks at 110, right? Like, I get it. For sure, for sure. And I think earlier on, as a woman who had experienced that firsthand, that was my initial response is like, well, often when people and women come forward, and I'll tell you what happened to me. When I first came forward and started telling people what had happened to me, people did not believe me. They, and it was, it was a portion of it was my own fault. I had protected for so long what had gone on because I kept thinking I could change it. I could change him. I'm going to change him. This is, he, he loves me so much, right? That's why this is happening. And that's what somebody in my experience in a situation like that will do. So when she started talking about it, although in my mind, I'm like, there's constant chaos or in every situation she has, I started validating it saying, well, maybe it's because of what was going on at home. She's acting this way because this happened. And, you know, this is her way of coping and letting it out. And I kept making excuses for it and kept validating it. Until it hit a point where I was like, yeah, no, this just this just doesn't make sense anymore, right? Well, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, right? So Rebecca told me that Next sent her the podcast and said that I called Rebecca a flying monkey on the podcast. And it doesn't mean that she's a monkey. It, a flying monkey in the narcissistic community is just the, pe the people that the narcissist tries to get on their side to discredit the person who is the true victim, right? And uh, so... Rebecca, you know, next sent her that I called her a fly monkey and it made Rebecca, which I love about her, go back to the beginning. Right. And she started listening to the entire podcast. So I assume I don't really know the story. How did you I assume Rebecca sent you the podcast. Right. How did that whole thing go? How did it all start going? Oh, yeah. Like when you started listening to the podcast. So I th think there had been doubt in my mind about her. like I, you know, I shared I started kind of separating myself indirectly. It wasn't a you know, Rebecca, I'm not hanging out with her. It was they'd be getting together or having cool dates and I, I would be busy. I wouldn't show. And like, if Rebecca knows anything about me, it's A, how much I love spending time with her and her family um, and B, that I'm always down for a good time. So as things started coming to light, she would send them to me. And I think it was like an indirect validation. Like, did you, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? You know, 
have you listened to this before? And I had heard of it. I hadn't seen it. And when she told me it was you, I listened to the first podcast. And I, to your point, went back to the beginning, which was a story I had shared with Rebecca when we were on that hayride. And as I was listening to it, I was like, well, this makes a lot of sense where she is concerned. And then I started looking up, what is a narcissist? What do they do? How do they, right? And honestly, it all started kind of coming together to validate what I was was seeing with with her, with Rebecca, with our children. Um, and so as, you know, to your point, Rebecca went back to kind of square one and started revisiting things. It's um, it's what I love most about her is that she is so direct and so forthcoming. She wanted to find out what's going on. I think she genuinely cared about all of your family, your kids. Gosh, she loves those children. And that's why she continues to reach out. But she continues to reach out to your next two because this one's like one to be happy. Like she'll step not like life's too short. Life's too short for all this. So as she was listening to it, I think a part of it was like, okay, well, there's two sides to this story. And that gets back to the point I had made earlier to you. You know, she had shared that she told me when you guys chatted that you had said, right, kind of like a how dare you. Now you're seeing, now you're calling me. But it gets back to the point she previously made that the truth was going to come out. And that's one of the things with Rebecca that she does really well is there's no pretense. She doesn't approach things the pretense. She approaches it at face value. This is what I saw. This is what I've heard and is willing to revisit the situation. And that's been one of the things I think as all of this has kind of unfolded in our our small town, uh, nuclear town of Pleasantville, that she's been really open to changing her mind and her perspective on on what's been going on to find the truth. And, and really what it all comes back to, in my opinion, is your children. You know, she she wants them in her life. She wants them in her son's life. You know, she still she can. And she listen. I mean, I, I made the point to her. You cannot have one pinky toe in on my necks. If you're at all on her team, you are not on my team. And that's why, you know, it was rough sledding in between, you know, me leaving the home and us reconnecting. But so here's the million dollar question. I've had a lot of people on this podcast. A lot of people listen to this podcast, but nobody knows my next personally. You want to know my next person. Do you think my next is a narcissist? I do. Um, I do. Um, you know, and I think you know, some of the questions you've asked me today, like, when does it stop? Well, I think a part of it is when people start calling her out. She tends to isolate those people, um, the other people who call her out, right? I'm a great example of that. I see her. I see her clearly. I'm approaching it very directly. Ergo, I'm no good. She has to create um, a narrative around it, right? Uh, a part of that is protecting her grandiose sense of self, her inability to accept, in my, this is my opinion, I'm not a psychologist, who she is and the circumstance she created. And what she does. And exactly. who she is and what she does. It's what's limiting her ability to move forward. Even this cycle with you, right? I had to hear for two years about your divorce proceedings. At what point don't you just call it and say, I'm going to move on from this? One of the things Rebecca and I talked about, I said, you know, Rebecca, there's got to be some, some uh, truth to what Mac is saying. If there wasn't, they would judge in their right mind, would give visitation. I saw you myself firsthand. I'll never forget. Uh, this was shortly after the trolley rides, right after the lake. I was sitting outside of our local food store and you had just gotten visitation back with the kids, I believe. And um, the kids were heading on you. Your youngest was hanging off of your arm doing pull-ups while your your son was laughing, running in circles around you. And I remembered seeing that and saying, those don't look like scared children. Those look like really happy children. I videoed it and I sent it to Rebecca to be like, hey, dad, like, 
look, look at this. Look at what's going on. So again, Rebecca being who Rebecca is, maybe she shared that with next. Maybe she did it. Maybe that's a part of why your next is. You have to share it with me. I need to see that video. I won't. Maybe that's part of it. But like, you know, I am not facilitating the narrative that exists in her mind, the grandiose sense of self, you know, uh, putting her finger on other others to build herself up. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways there would be some truth seeking internally with her that would have to come out if, if she did that. And I think she's just too deep. So to your point about having one toe in, um, even the example with her new boyfriend, she's not taking the time between chaotic situations, self-inflicted or not. She's not taking the time between those to have enough self-reflection to move on and get better from. And I think that's really what this comes down to. It's like, regardless of what mistakes we've made in the past, and I think that's Rebecca's point of view, people can change, people can move on. Until she's ready to accept the turmoil she's creating in her own life, she's never going to do that. So that I feel really, really bad for her. I think more so for the kids. That's the concern here is like, they're still in that house with her. And that map, you know, for you and where this podcast is concerned, um, was one of the reasons I wanted to come on to your point. I'm one of the few people now, right? A few degrees of separation between me and her. It's a little bit different. It isn't as personal. Um, well, and I, and the kids came to me, the kids came to me, um, you know, after a pickup and I asked them about the basketball game and they said it was great, but uh, this one lady wouldn't let uh, Rebecca's son take a picture with us. And, and, and I go, that doesn't sound right. And, and my daughter's like, no, mommy has a picture of it. And it's the same picture that you showed me. So she's she, the thing is, and what's awful is that she's relying on gaslighting the kids and conditioning them to believe that she's this angel that she's certainly not. And I can't, I can't say it to my young kids and I don't want them to see their mom in a bad light. Cause you only have one mom. You only have one dad for the rest of your life. But then for the certain standpoint is like, you know, we, we get on you know, like for a pickup or something. We'll be. I'll have driven forty five minutes to go pick them up, and I'll pick them up and they go, "Daddy, you got to drive real slow because mommy said the roads are icy." And I'm like, "I just drove forty five minutes here. There's no ice in the roads." I'm like, "Daddy, drive careful. Daddy, drive careful." And they get like all super anxious and nervous. Daddy, drive careful because mommy said there's ice in the roads. I said, "You just drove five minutes from your house to the police station. Did you see any ice? No. Well, I just drove forty five minutes from my house to your house. Did you, I didn't see any ice? Where's the ice? Let's keep driving. Let's see if we see any ice." But that's what she does. She gets in their brains and wants them to be fearful so that when she parks the car and they didn't get into an accident and she avoided all the ice, she's the healer. Well, I think her desire to try to exploit others, you, myself, Rebecca, um, at the expense of her children um, is one of the things that I've noticed. Even, you know, to, I mean, at that example of ice, right, she's creating insecurity with the children. Um, when when your youngest was hurt and she was there on her phone, right, um, lacking empathy for your, your daughter being hurt, even at the lake. I mean, I wasn't present for that. I was present at the lake where she got hurt. She immediately went back to talking about herself, her situation, right? It wasn't caring for... Your daughter almost drowned, but let's yeah. go back to your fabricated divorce. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, moreover, she has, and this is what I said to Rebecca, these really jealous tendencies where she feels like she's got to put her thumb on other people. Me, Nicole, is an alcoholic, um, is buying people 
off because you know they clearly don't have the the personality to uh to have a friendship uh, amongst amongst other other factors and i love how you recognize that because the the slander is so layered yeah it's yeah. so yeah like you don't have the personality to have real friends. I, how how could anybody want to have a good time with me you know like that it is like it's it, it it's laughable um and it's you know choose company three's a crowd type of mentality i think when you keep the social circle smaller it's easier to control the narrative too. Um, and that's, that's, you know, one of the things that I've, I've noticed with her over and over again is that when she talks about things, it's in comparison to other people. There's an underlying envy or jealousy that exists there. Um, her desire to make others look bad, to build herself up, consistently happens. That is like the victim side of it. And then on the other side, there's this need to be viewed in this light, right? Um, where the lavish gifts are posted on Facebook, travels with her boyfriend. There are these two opposite ends of the spectrum. And I'm just like, who are you? Which one are you? And that's just in Rebecca. I'm like, I, I, I'm struggling to get to know this woman. Um, and more broadly, I think when you look at the people in the town, the ones that grew up there already know her. They, listen, they, they, they rode that crazy train with her and they rode it right out of the station they tolerate her. It's a small town. People are cordial because if you're not, it gets uncomfortable pretty quickly. But they know better. There's only one person in town who she's still particularly close with who she leverages. She leverages to help support and create the narrative she wants in town. That person I knew, you know, was a neighbor of a girlfriend of mine. Again, really small town up here. I knew before I met your next, uh, right? Um, she's got some challenges of her own, in in my opinion. But that is, that is the only person that I know of in town that still talks to her, that still tolerates her. That's pretty telling. Small town, everybody knows everybody, everybody's friendly barbecues together, and somebody grew up here only has one friend. Well, that, and, and the other thing is, is that she's lived in Pleasantville her whole life, and she has a boyfriend who lives about 40 minutes away. And, like, so this was something that Rebecca said, is that she has to leave the town to go to her boyfriend's town and it just goes to show like there's no intermingling and I wish the boyfriend would recognize like you don't have any friends why not like you don't go anywhere why not you know but so yeah. listen let me ask you this um sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you but let me ask you this we're coming to the end of the hour and a lot of times what I ask my guests is I say what's the advice that you would give to somebody who just you know is might be in a narcissistically abusive relationship wants to leave but I want to sort of change that question for you because you know my next personally for anybody who may be listening to this who knows my next person what kind of advice would you give them in order to like tread lightly with her you know you i think it's that you can't change how she's going to react you can only control how you act in response to her hey that's my my big thing where she's concerned is i'm not going to give her an opportunity to cast a negative shadow you know the example i shared earlier on about the game right she from hand gestures to verbal abuse and then even from there tried to create a false narrative people know who i am and they're going to continue to know who i am through my actions i'm not going to validate i'm not going to go around and try to disprove i'm going to continue to be who i am because again i can't control how she's going to act. I can control how I'm going to react to it. And I'm going to rise above. And Mac, I think you, you've done that exceptionally well. I mean, what, you know, in the past two years, you know, you've lost in terms of time with your children. 
you know, the, the things you said to me, you know, uh, prior to today's podcast was, um, you know, there is justice in the legal system and there's social justice. And I think that that will come with time with her. So for anybody that is experiencing it firsthand is in the immediate, you want gratification. You want people to know that you're right about React, you know, mm. let it play out because people will see it takes time. That is really, really hard, but it takes time and that's happening. It's happening for you now too. Don't, right. don't, don't listen. She, she wants a platform. Don't give it to her. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yep. Well, listen, Nicole, I really, really, really appreciate you reaching out to me. Um, you know, it's funny, like I said, I love the fact that you sort of knew me before all this, not know me, but you saw me from an outsider perspective prior to all this chaos going on. And it's it's been nice connecting with you. I hope we can connect off the podcast. We'd love to have my kids play with you. I know you, Rebecca and I, we were joking around about getting DTG shirts and maybe taking a picture at the playground or something and say parents kids gaslighting or something like that but i just want to say thank you it's nice to get this validation from you from somebody who knows her firsthand that says you know i'm not buying it i'm not buying it there's holes in the story and that's really what i want people to know there's holes in the story i'm not who she says i was i'm sure you're not white trash fuck her <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i just really want to say thank you for for being the bigger person and you know coming to me and getting both sides of the story no appreciate mac appreciate the time and i'm um, looking forward to creating some new memories with uh, with all of our children yours mine, and rebecca's together awesome awesome thank you so much well thank you so much for coming on and uh until next time everybody